last drift at alarmingly in the betting was, you know, fancy in the morning continued to drift. It was late on the on the exchanges to, to lose. It was something you'd see in a, in a Dick Francis novel, Charles Bottoms. Ground is soft, it's not... It's oh, not, it's heavy. Soft on time. It's, it's heavy. Okay. And a very warm welcome to the Bar Stewards Sunday Sermon. Myself, John Lang and Chris, we're ready. We're ready to hammer and tongs to discuss the Saturday's racing and other topics that we've got lined up for you this evening to make it one hell of a show. So, without further ado, good evening, chaps. Good evening. Good evening. Yes. Uh, enough of that. So <laughs> we don't do pleasantries. I'm going to review Saturday's action first of all. It was an interesting day to say the least. Uh, obviously, we'll get onto the feature races in a bit, but we'll start off, John, at York, uh, where it was again some interesting results. But the feature race there was the Skybet York Stakes, which was won by Sabuska. What did you make of that? I wasn't because I was with the favourite. He seemed to get right and fair to the square. Yeah. I was uh, I was a little bit under, underwhelmed with Dubai on there. I thought, oh, it's a busker up now, sweat now, and then suddenly it turns into a hammer and tongs pitch battle. You always know which yeah. way it's going to go if you're on Steve Dunner, don't you? So. Yeah. Well, yeah. the weird thing. Uh, prob- probably. He's got an official rating of 120, which is officially £10 clear as a busker. There's no way he's, he's even got close to anywhere near his mark, I don't think. But I, I agree with John. It is a disappointment because I was talking with the producer just before the race and I said the one horse I couldn't back in this if you give if you give me as many free bets as, as you want is Sabuska. I'd you never gen- going fast enough, could you, really? Well, that, that was the thing. That you know the, the lack of pace. I suppose then you, you analyse it and say, well, this horse is is a miler and he's has got some good late foot, at a decent level. But even so, like as an in running punter, you're struggling to back it because it's held up last off a crawl. So I was surprised, very surprised, in fact, then to see him like look the likely winner a furlong out and then obviously go and do the business, stepping up to this this trip, uh, which. I genuinely felt strongly run Miles suiting him down to the ground, and I thought the last thing he'd want would probably be a crawl over 10. He's clearly just a vastly improved six-year-old today. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it, is, it is when we're on second, John. It is when, you know, all, all big naps on, on, on second or some, and we're, we're absolutely, you know... Squ- it's, it's lovely, though. ITV Racing said that it was a tremendous result and Ed Chamberlain was eulogising about it. And I think I tweeted the effect. Like, Do these people not understand how punters react? It's never tremendous when a heavily backed gets fucking nutted on the line by some lump of shit that's six years old. <laughs> you know, that's all exactly. want, isn't it? You don't know. And he's going, oh, it's wonderful. Oh, lovely. That is, oh, that's tremendous. Like, pile driver winning. Oh, yeah, lovely. Is it fuck? No, we got it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's madness. It's the, oh, I don't know. I just, I think it's crass anyway. And yes, I am talking from my He's alienated yet more viewers, doesn't he? You know, oh. people sat there gritting the teeth, tearing the tickets up. You've got Ed saying what a wonderful result. It's as though the entire sport's laughing at you, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It does feel that way. You know, people say, oh, pocket talking. Well, yeah, I'm pocket talking. So that gives me a right to say something because I bought a ticket in the raffle. Exactly. So bollocks to all the people that criticise pocket talkers. I mean, you, you say, like, what you say is absolutely bang on, that, that obviously most people 
back favourite. Whether Twitter wants to admit that, it, it, it doesn't have to admit it. But the fact is that they, they go off the, those sort of prices because most people are on them. Yeah. And and it's, it's, it's market forces that make the pricing. So, yeah. like you, you said, well back favourite, strong on the exchanges. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been punted all morning, night before yeah. as well. And like you said, Chamberlain starts bouncing up and down like some baboon, you know, thinking that this is what we all want to see. <laughs> no, no, it absolutely isn't. We don't. We wanted that to win, but you know, length, couple of lengths, I, I get it ready. But yeah. you know, said we have Stevie Donnelly bouncing up and down like he's on his old woman. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Which, before we do any more reviews, I thought I'd bring this this topic in early. I, I saw a post today from one of the gambling arm groups, a gambling yeah. insight. It was sort of kind of moaning at potentially betting or education of gambling. And obviously there was like a, a outrage from obviously these groups because it's like, oh, no, 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 you don't. don't. But it, this is what they don't understand, that it's actually a good thing. It surely is it not. Promoting, because if you teach kids probability and how it works and how you know, at, at a fairly young age, and you say this this is how it works, and and do studies on it, and show people how you get in a lot of trouble if you don't. If you educate people at, at, at the right sort of age, I'm not saying like primary kids. I'm saying maybe teenagers to educate them on probability, etc. Is this not a good thing for for life skills as well? Because I I found as doing betting for a living that you take those skills into real life as well and make a complete fuck up of that as well <laughs> risk it's risk management i mean it, yeah it, it, it's understanding that, that the game is underpinned by numbers there was a re- study years and years ago in america and i can't find the citation where some uh, a university professor or an academic or with, with a real understanding of probability and horse racing form took a group of degenerate gamblers right and he, he he actually basically took the view that that you know you can't stop these people having a bet right but what you can do is educate them so that that a they could either perhaps make a profit or at the very least arrest their decline by having fewer bad bets and betting more winners and he did that for a period of a year etc and he managed to turn the group around almost exclusive i don't know whether they stayed with it but basically his view was the way to to manage problem gambling is to teach people to do it better you know because some people in their dna have to have a bet so you might as well make sure that they are skilled at what they at their addiction so at least they don't do their money in cold blood or at least do it uh, you know more slowly and that was apparently quite a successful study but you, you can't say that now you know because that's encouraging gambling and gambling is a bad thing as we all know but it's interesting what you say that this is what kind of annoys me with some i'm not saying all gambling harm groups but some no. gambling harm groups seem to seem to think that by absolution and prohibition you can you can eradicate the problems you yeah. can't because no. like you just said chris it's in your dna or some people's dna that yeah. they, they want to have a card school they want to they want to like at school they want to throw coins to the wall nearest to the yeah. wall things like that it, it's it, everything is about like go to the snook halls uh, play 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 frame the snooker for money it's 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 all about adding spice to the whatever whatever sport you're playing or any activity you're doing even as kids we used to play monopoly for actual real money yeah. <laughs> well i mean I, I think i think the point is as well look at the war on drugs how's that gone you know that's been trillions of dollars 
trying to, you know, stem the supply, etc. But where you have demand for a product or a service, people will find a way of getting their hands on that. And, and you know, the gambling harm groups, you, you're not going to you know, do what they want, which is to eradicate gambling, because there is a legitimate desire amongst some sections of the community to have a bet or buy a lottery ticket or buy some shares, etc. But, you know, the prohibitionists won't have it and it hasn't worked for drugs. So why is it going to work for gambling or, or any other social harm? Well, the, the, exactly. The, the same argument for the drug drugs angle is is that, like you said, drugs, uh, class A drugs, obviously, are, are badly illegal. You know, you, you get into yeah. a lot of trouble. But does it stop people? No. Bollocks. No. It? In fact, it's just right. I would say analysing, uh, you know, like when, when I, I go out and, you know, I, I frequently get, get offered class a substances and and that that's what i'm saying it's you know it's it's a it's a it's a mainstream like cocaine it's not a party drug you know as it was 80s and stockbrokers it is a middle class it's a working class it's it's a upper class you know it's everywhere despite trillions of dollars and you know billions of pounds being spent on educate bit of the social harm and county lines and you know it doesn't make matter a shit people will still do it now that's not an argument obviously to legalize but you know if you take that example for gambling you know you just you're better off educating people saying look these are examples of really stupid bets you know digital fruit machines you know online casinos where the house percentage is fixed and over a period of time you will do your bollocks it, no doubt about it the numbers are there because the, the house always wins so if you educate people saying here's you know examples of very risky gambling and he, but here's examples of, of gambling that you do have a, you know a, a chance of beating if you follow these rules or, or this money management technique and i think you would reduce a lot of the social harm by saying to people if you have to have a bet stay away from fruit machines you know bet football bet horses bet sport find something you, you know you know a little bit about but as for saying to people oh no you mustn't do it because it's, it, it's dreadful I mean, it's just not going to work is it no and this, this is what gets me angry with itv of the dumbing down of yep. of, of the betting product because all yep. you're doing is you're pandering to a, 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 an audience Correct. that it, it's no people do need education on it and and that that's if you it's i mean massive you, complicated and all all you see now is bookmakers online when they do the blogs lots of bookmakers are doing blogs now sort of yeah. on twitter because it's quite entertaining people yeah. like to read it and it's, it's, it's shown insight into their business I, I, I quite i find most of them quite fascinating does banks do one i think no i think he just he just shouts and moans <laughs> that's to be ghosted wouldn't it yeah, he was moaning after the first Fab one at Ascot today. He was blasting Ascot. It was the best thing since life bred Royal Ascot. He was saying, best yeah. course in the land. And then after the first Fab one today, he's saying, attendance is down, it's a shithole. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's a serious a serious point though isn't it by making it seem simple you pander the idea that it is inherently a game of chance you got no you got no hope of making money etc whereas you know to make money it is an intensely time you know better than anyone john john and lee it's complicated it will take hours of your life and i dare say had you applied your brain power to a different industry where you to start again i dare say you could have made more money definitely but, you know, but you chose to do that because you enjoy and you enjoy the intellectual rigor of it. But it's not an easy thing. But by saying it's, you know, oh, well, you're going to lose anyway. So just have a throwaway bet that encourages irresponsible gambling. You know, placing a bet's easy, but making it pay is, is probably the hardest game in the world. It really is. But no one says that because it's the idea is, well, you can't make it pay. You're going to lose. So just have any old bet. 
Yeah, that's why I'm I'm in favour of a lot more education. In because as I say, I do believe that if you can apply gambling logic and, and do it okay, you'll do well in life because all your life decisions tend to be based around you know weighing things up and trying to weigh probability up and if you teach people about probability and losing runs and how possible to do astronomic sums of money even even yeah. money you know i mean you know there's people that's looked at like long you know number of spins on a roulette wheel you know red or blacks etc and ten thousand spins on a roulette wheel you you can expect you know around 30 losers on the bounce so, so i mean that that shows you what kind of trouble you can get into an education like this would be fantastic because you're actually promoting responsible gambling by saying things like this. You see, bookmakers they they complain because are these pop concerts uh, that they're tagging on onto the race court uh, on the end of, end of racing? There's people coming up for a bet. They don't know what each way is. They don't know. They don't know anything. It's like they're asking, "Well, what shall I back?" And but that that's because there is no education on it because it's racing is bad. R- yeah. Racing's bad. Gambling's bad. Uh, and that's what we get. The, the wider mainstream tout that everyone seems to the, the BHA don't defend it, don't defend the product. It's just remarkable times. So ITV, get a grip and start educating people on betting and, and how it works. Get some proper experts in, not idiots, and do it right. And well, I think I th- they, they have that home, used to have that homeschooling feature, isn't it? You know, where they sort of try and give people insight into how horses are trained and tacked up. Why can't they do that for betting? Why can't they have a simple sort of one-minute segment saying this is an each-way bet or this is how odds are expressed in a non-decimal format? You know, six to four means you put your four pounds on, you, you win six and you get your four quid back. Nice and simple so that if you want to bring these people into the sport, teach them the basics, not how, how you're going to tack up a fucking horse. Who gives a shit? Unless, well, you're, yeah. involved, unless you're involved in it. I don't give a fuck what, how the saddle, what's made of. or <laughs> give a monkey. Would not give a shit. That's it, and I think they'd enjoy it better because yeah. if the under, if the under, a lot of people can't enjoy something if they don't understand it. It's yeah. a bit like watching a sport and saying, "Well, I don't get what's happening here." Yes, no education. No, none at all. None at all. The, the actual, you know, unless you're trying to bring people into the sport, i.e., trading horses, riding them, or you know, or livery or whatever. You know, most people watch it for the thing that that's actually on the field and having a bet. So why do they care? You know, how you school a horse couldn't give them money. that does not help you understand in sufficient depth. You know, the factors that will influence you having a bet. That's just of no interest to anyone. But again, that they are trying to address everything except gambling. It's the elephant in the room, isn't it? It is, I'm afraid. It's, it's wrong, but we, we 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 try and change it as a podcast. That's what we try and do. We try and change people's views and opinions, and 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 get mainstream media on side. Of, well, the racing mainstream media. Side of cars, we try to change the world, aren't we? Absolutely, yeah. We're, we're different class, achieving nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I think Kevin Duffy said to us on Twitter this week that you're losing your dignity or something for calling uh, Donica the fetus. My, my reply was, we've never had any dignity. <laughs> oh, old men shouting at clouds, that's all this is. <laughs> yes. I mean, he's listening to the wrong podcast if he, if he thinks yeah. that, you know, we're, we've got any dignity. Anyway. I, mean, the, I, don't, I don't think he was thrilled when I told him if there's any more kids pop up, the next one will <laughs> the spunk bubble, didn't it? <laughs> Row versus wide yeah, guy. The, yeah, the, ne- the next uh, Brian trainer to pop up if we're still doing this in like 15 years' time will be uh, the spunk bubble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Anyway, sign of things to come there on future Barstool's episodes. Right, back to the review. (laughs) Back back to the review. Uh, We'll actually discuss some authors now. Princess Margaret, John. Went as expected for Lazoo, did it right. She's established herself what she is really. I don't think it was probably a vintage Princess Margaret, but she looks about 100, 105. Is that fair, John? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I was a bit sorry for that hand and horse, you know, because I think if there had been slightly less water going on, I think that could have acquitted quite well. Minitonka, yeah. I don't, I don't think it acquitted badly anyway, but I didn't think it showed like a quality animal. Like, if we ever get any proper good to firm round in this country again, I'd, I'd be quite interested in having a little yag at that one uh, in the right kind of race. Yeah, I'd love to see him. I, I know, like this is, but all weather. I, I, I genuinely think, I, I do think it'd improve for an artificial surface. If I'm honest, that's where I see it. It was right to come to Ascot. I think it was always. I thought it was always due to run better. But like you said, John, they probably put a bit too much on for Mini Tonka. But she's probably one to watch out for. Could be a big place in the Lousy, you know, if they were inclined to go there. Yeah, could get it quick there. You can. You can. I've, I mean, we'll come on to Clarkin in a bit this week because I've done a bit of Clark watching this week, so I'll bring that up in a bit. But and we'll talk about York in comparison to the likes of a Newbury and um, Newmarket and Sandown as well. Cooper went off the rails early in the week. Didn't reply to that tweet that I sent. But we'll come on to that in a bit with the July course as well on Friday, I think, overwatered. But we'll go on to the Valiant Stakes. Jumbly winning 105. I think that's about 105 form. I think the my bet the German horse November needs it softer, but I don't think... I don't think so much yellow, Yeah, she, I, I don't like the way they ride her, do you? No. I mean, that was awful today, I thought. Yeah, sort of missed break, and he, he couldn't wait to rush her up, and it was that that was it really. I even knew turning in yeah, that, that that she was cooked, but oh, it was I, depressing, wasn't it? Yeah, she had the class to stick on for third, but when you consider that probably Zambach ran no sort of race and serenading was just behind her in fourth, and that's rate eighty seven. I don't think it's really particularly solid solid form uh, that again. Jumbly, the winners rate one hundred and five, probably probably session. If you're stretching it, probably ran to 105, might be a bit less. I don't think it was a it was a good race or form to follow. Then, building a skill there, aren't you, if you give jumbly each rate? Yeah. Then we come on to the international. We did give a positive. Well, I, I did. I mentioned fresh a bit last on, on the pod, and you know the, the, they backed it into favourite in the working and obviously a bad draw. Uh, fresh doing it today. Surprisingly, John, and this is where we got it wrong. We, I think we felt unanimously that the stand side would be the place to be, and it wasn't. I thought that the stand side jockey's got the fractions wrong myself. What, you went uh, too hard? I got the impression that they weren't fast enough early on. Right, all oh, right, OK. But I, I felt from about the three and a half, Paul, they were probably trying to play a bit of catch-up, and then they maybe did empty out of it. And the one we mentioned, King's A, in the big late gamble in the end, he, yeah. he, he looked like uh, Kilt were back training it. Yeah. <laughs> he might have had some influence on Roger. Some money for that, wasn't there? That's, it was very strong on the machine. 7.8 on the off uh, on the machine. 6 to 1 from sort of 20s. And uh, Megan Nichols gave it a massive in the paddock. On size form. <laughs> size form didn't work well at York, did it? 
Yeah, I, I was just surprised, really, the, the, the stand side being so so far behind the centre. But Davis was moaning. He said he won his race with Aratus on that side, but the middle beat him. Uh, oh, he's tipping at the next Ascot meeting, then, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Just, just make, make, just back Aratus. He'll, he, you know, Davis. He, he's, he's, you know, make him sick. Punt it in. He's already does the shots. <laughs> Because he will, he'll do the shots before the show's recorded. Yeah. Anyway, the lead carriage out at half past three in the afternoon. <laughs> mini bus, mini mini bus oh, full of ICF job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for free outside in the old invalid carriages, couldn't you? So like, no problem. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, turqu- the turquoise three wheelers. Thunder's yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Used to see loads of them, didn't you? I mean, you just need one, it's just so you can park it anywhere without a badge. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's not right. I mean, in, in in terms of like you know, like diversity and correct speech and yeah. you know, and all this lot, right? That that we've developed and it's annoying, obviously, for some of us old farts um, to try and get used to what you can and can't say. But the one thing that I did, I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? I mean, it could never happen now. You're sort of stigmatising disabled people by giving them a turquoise chariot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hideous. You, be, you might as well put on the side, sponsored by I'm a I'm a Raspberry Ripple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. That's exactly right. I mean, there's no doubt as to who the occupant of those particular vehicles were. I mean, it was, uh, yeah, instant, uh, instant sorts of children bellowing heartless witticisms. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they ran past you and you get <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah, it was, it, I, I, seriously, we have come a long way since. We should point out to, to the worker arty brigade that exists now. We should yeah. point out to them this that we've got rid of the turquoise. Yeah. <laughs> and well, so if, those... if the kids were taking the piss out here, Emily Upjohn had no chance with the way she 
refused to settle, and I mean, no chance. Yeah. Westover, I think I mentioned I had my doubts about him anyway. Um, you did, it was a good, I think that's a good shout, because did you see him, did you see him boil over before? Yeah, well, yeah, temperament sort of cock, I'd say. He'd be, <laughs> if you had an Irish derby, he'd probably be a good candidate for getting them off. He's more supreme novices than Ledger at the minute, isn't he? I think you, you did make a good point about that he'd been away at Kempton and stuff, and like, why would you do that? On, it, on... It's the worst thing in the world, really, that you want to hear. Um, if anybody that's played one like that anti-post, and you hear that they're taking a horse that's at its absolute maximum physically, there's, there's no way that needed a freshener. It, it, it was an absolute case of trying to get it going for me, you know. It, it's clearly gone Larry at home. And this this comes to me other point then, right? You, well, like I say, you deserve a lot of credit for this because it, it will have raised eyebrows, I think, if anyone listened to that. And I, it did me. You know, you made me think... that was a positive, you know. Beckett saying, oh, we've had a day, an away day, you know. And oh, he's had a race car scallop, you know. It, it set massive alarm bells going for me. I had to have the road, it, road the house at the current. Yeah, and and how it looked obviously before the start as well. The, yeah. That was in my uh, pre-rate. It didn't do me any good because I just had more on an Emily Upjohn. <laughs> but it kind of it made me think think long and hard about it. I'm thinking John might be right here because this is this for me had, had just boiled over. And I know Ryan Moore didn't help him in the race on Broom. They, they certainly quickened it up far too far out. Ryan um, absolutely took his brains out in that. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, again, Ryan's prone to that. Ryan's a brilliant jockey, but there are some times when Ryan... He, he shouldn't be allowed anywhere near the front end in a decent dress. No. He, he just seems to just make some, make some really catastrophic decisions at times as Ryan, and, and that, that was one of them, which obviously didn't help Westover. But he, even so... You're not better letting somebody else pick the pace. I'm pretty certain had Ryan not done that anyway, Westover would have still been well beat. He, he just... He wasn't in the same place as he was at the Curra or prior to that this season. Another thing I want to ask you about Westover is, I mean, I, I'm not as nowhere near as good as you in terms of paddock assessments, but I generally felt he'd not got a lot of condition on him at Westover. I like to see them, if, if, if I watch a lot of Sir Michael's stout sources, for example, there's a lot more condition on them than what I saw on Westover today. I thought I thought he was particularly... A bit like that's that's. I mean, I might be talking absolute rubbish, but that's what I saw on the cameras. I, I don't know what you thought. I, I did get the impression they've they got a bit busy with him. Yeah, hence, hence the away day at Kempton. Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, I think they've tried a few things, and well, it, it hasn't worked, has it? I mean, the house is just falling apart in front of us at the minute. Yeah, like Rafe and Ralph will be having a domestic tonight, won't they? Argue about what they should have done and what they big, should have done. Big, big job to bring this back. Yeah. Like two months, well, say six weeks ago, I looked at one of the best derbies we've had in years. We're now, we're now strapping around trying to maintain the race's reputation again because uh, you've got the, the, well, not the runner-up, but like the subsequent Irish derby winner falling, falling apart. You've got the actual winner Probably not going to run again this season because of our sources. The foot problem apparently has resulted in a, a, a bit of a knock-on problem. 
the, the foot problem wasn't disclosed apparently as quickly as it might have been and then the horse has been saving itself and then there's a bit of a complication that's led been led to that very unlikely you're going to get this season i'm told interesting bar stewards exclusive yeah i mean i mean like you said it's always information and sometimes it doesn't pan out as a as that happens because horses you know like humans sometimes they recover quicker sometimes they don't but that is a barstool's exclusive from john and i know john obviously has got good sources there so i'd uh, certainly believe that more than uh, i wouldn't believe it uh, so good stuff john on that so desert crown possibly uh not going to race again this season interesting stuff well i mean we've come to the winner pile driver if we rate the race john i i mean it's simple for me i, I give pile driver 120 you can't because you know that the second probably obviously hasn't got his optimum conditions the third horse mishrift missed it a long way and, and by the way coming to mishrift it must be a massive concern for towser and slim that mishrift appears to have developed a habit now of not wanting to come out of the traps We'll probably announce tomorrow that they're having a sabbatical with mishrift and sending him oh uh, ben haslam <laughs> I mean, it, it is a worry for him because the the thing is now is he seems to be getting slower and slower away as if as it and that to me says well the one thing's for sure well they won't certainly won't be blaming themselves will they oh no 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 not at all no not 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 at all so 120 pile driver and that's about it really I don't think anything else has run its race so uh, the arc winner obviously were better in the autumn if if the mud's flying broom and paid the price it for, was a bit but, like a shitter version of Harbinger's King George wasn't it well, yeah I, I, for the story for the I, I'm pleased for the, the owners I mean PJ McDonald 15 years ago won the Scottish National now he's winning the King George you know amazing our, our careers can, can can sort of transpire but yeah it was it, it's left me flat because nothing ran its race Westover didn't Emily Upjohn didn't Broom certainly didn't Mishriff certainly didn't which left Pile driver beating a possible mudlark. The two big races have actually thrown up two shonking results, haven't they? Yeah. No, no. Ed Chamberlain were back, like like Chris says. Ed Chamberlain were bouncing around like a baboon, saying pile driver and Sabuska were the were, 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 were punters champions. Fuck Ed Chamberlain in the air. The people's hole. The people's hole. <laughs> the people's hole. Oh, apparently, got got off twenty. Yeah, and said, have you heard of pile driver? They think you're fucking drunks, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's gone off a pony on the machine and 18s and people's horses. Sabuska about nines on the machine. Yeah. People's horses. Yeah. People's <laughs> champion. The Alex Higgins of the equine world. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Housewife choice, yeah. Okie doke. So, that more or less summed up Saturday's action. So, uh, just coming on to Clark Watch this week. They, they appear to have gone a little bit naughty again. See, this is where I would probably love Andrew Cooper on the show if he's willing to do it. I'm not sure he is. But this is why I'd really like him on, on the show because he produced fantastic ground for the Eclipse meeting. It was 7.7. That was the fastest ground he produced in about two, two or three seasons. So what did he do? Under big heat wave we've, we've, we've recently had, he managed to produce 7.3 on the round, 6.8 on the sprint course with no showers. Nothing. No, no, no rain. No, so, you know, to obviously make that decision 
sort of like just it's one of them things like like some sometimes these these media hacks will say I'm racing TV and at the races. Well, what can they do? They're in a rock and a hard place. What can they do if it if it, if it rains? You know what what it's got to be safe. But no, this was again Cooper back to his best where he's gone seven point three which is 0.4 slower than the Eclipse meeting. And, of course, the times reflected that. The times probably reflected good ground. Um, they changed the ground to good, good to firm in places, uh, so which is a disappointment. And following up from Sandown, we had the other one that's one of the biggest culprits in the game, Michael Prosser. Again, a bit of a media darling, comes on TV, very eloquent, talks a good game, talks about the, the shades of the grass and how the grass grows and this and that. You know, talks a fantastic game, but shoves absolutely bucketfuls on. And the Friday night ground was a disgrace. I had one professional punter judge who I follow. I'm not going to name him because he might not want to be named. And he's he's brilliant with times on the ground. And he, he claims it was on the easy side of good. He said it was about the easy side of good Friday night. That is a disgrace, is it not, chaps? Well, it is. I mean, yes. But good luck getting anybody to do anything about it. I mean, that's, these, that's these, are, these are serious issues because, and it just it, it it's not just frustrating punters. I mean, I mean, I, we come from the punter argument uh, essentially because that's that's what we do, and you know, we see the punter side of it. But as I, I can imagine, as owners, trainers, you know, you you've got like you said, John Mini Tonka, you know, you. You said, yep, yeah, you agree. you just despair, wouldn't you, if you're on the arse like that now? I mean, what do you do? You, you know, I mean, you can set an arse up for any target you wanted, and the clerk will just take it out of your hands completely. Yeah. If it were me, and I owned a decent horse with a straight leg action, and I knew I'd no chance of, say, making the very top. You know what I said? I'd run it on the all-weather. Right, I'd, I'd I'd get you know I'd make sure it'd run its run, run to its off, and I'd just sell to Hong Kong, yeah, and, and that that'd be it. I couldn't be asked. I can't be asked turning up at Newmarket when they say it's going to be quick ground, uh, and then you're getting four seconds slow for six furlongs on 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 after we've had thirty seven degrees, thirty eight degrees. Uh, it's just absolutely ridiculous, and th- there's no allowance for horses that do prefer a fast it's all this safe baloney what's this safe nonsense like you said john there's no evidence uh whatsoever to say that that water ground is safer uh than faster ground although we do know if you're a fragile horse or you've potentially got issues then but then you don't run on fast ground anyway you can't if you've got a fragile horse you don't run on good to firm in june and july you put the horse away and you run in the autumn or you run in the all weather that's what you do if your horse is rock hard and sound then you've run on anything. You've run on good to firm. Fine. So is this is what's annoying me. The, all this safety nonsense. You know, and then so oh, we'll get small fields on fast ground. I mean, we get small fields anyway. If, if it's good to soft, the, the, the watering now is still six runners, five runners. It won't make any difference. You'll just simply just get a different set of horses running if you had firm ground. You, you just have... It's a bit like summer jumps horses. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll get a certain type of horse that'll run on fast ground all summer and then... You know, and that's how it should work. Let the natural elements sort it out. It's it's ridiculous what how we've got into this state. Michael Prosser, Andrew Cooper, I've defended you for your ground on the eclipse, but that was a disgrace what you did this week. Uh, Seven point three after after a big heat wave, 
There's, that should have been the Eclipse same, 7.7. You've overdone it with the sherry. You didn't reply to my tweet because you know you've overdone it with the sherry. Anyway, that's my rant on on sort of sort of Clarks. <laughs> Sorry about that, gentlemen. Just okay. thought I'd get that for Jeff. Right, just one more thing. We've got a big week ahead. Obviously, Goodwood doing a Goodwood preview show tomorrow night, Monday. So don't forget to join us for that. We've got uh, Catherine Fry out of the cellar, which is, is good. We've got uh, Richmond, Franks. Uh, and me and John going through the best bets at Goodwood. So I thought I'd get that promo in. And just to finish, Fergal O'Brien is a trainer, chaps. I like Fergal O'Brien. I like the Twitter account. It's funny. It's it's brilliant. Didn't get his comments this week, though. Fergal O'Brien bikes Irish trainers call to be allowed to run in low-grade national hunt races in the UK. Why? <laughs> well, you, you probably know the majority of them won't be out. Well, this is the remarkable thing that the Irish trainers are moaning. Why are they moaning? Why why would you want to send a horse on a ferry for shit prize money, shitter than what they get over there, right? For for a not a one oh five hurdle at your toxicer. Why? Get on. That's why you've got more chance of getting on in England than you have in Ireland, so I suppose, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everyone knows that the online bookmaker limits or or even the shop bookmaker limits if you go in and try and back a horse to win a handicap hurdle at Tipperary, yeah. you know, at 7.30 in the evening, it's 14s, you know, you'd be lucky if you get a fiver each way on in the shop. Yeah. You know, they, they don't want to know. The, you know, the, the online limit's the same. I, I can remember when I did have my old Bet365 account many years ago, my limits were something like £1,000. You could back to win £1,000 up to 11 o'clock. Yeah. And if it was an Irish race, you could back to win £500. Yeah. So, so it didn't matter what Irish race it was either. It could be the Irish, it could be the Lexus. It, it, it's still 500 quid. So it's obvious why. We know why. They, yeah. I mean, R- Ronan McNally has, has done it. He's sent them over here and just landed big touches. Gordon yeah. Elliott's done it. Gordon Elliott's also sent horses over here that have drifted from 8 to 11 out of 7 or 4 and ran like it. They yeah. know there's more liquidity on the exchanges on British races. They know that they can get more money on. That's why they're moaning. So for Fergal O'Brien, who wants winners, who basically wants lots and lots of winners, why does he want to run into a Ronan McNally horse with £30 in hand? Goodness, no. To be honest with you. Very yeah. odd. Right. I thought it was odd. I thought, I thought, why are you backing this? It's like saying, I want less winners as a trainer. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> that's what will happen. You will have less winners as a trainer if they're coming over. He says, oh, it's to make it more competitive. We're moaning about field sizes, this, that, and the other. <laughs> you know, well, let's have another two runners. One's Ronan McNally and one's Fat Gordon. You know, yeah. it's like we two unexposed Irish handicap hurdlers. Tremendous, Fergal. You've got the third fab. Yeah. <laughs> it's, bizarre, isn't it? it's a very odd comment to make. Very, yeah. very odd as well, particularly as his partner is Graham McPherson, QC, who specialises in you know, integrity issues when, you know, with the BHA. So I think it's a very, I don't know, I don't think it's a naive comment, but I can't work out what the agenda is behind that because he surely must know. He'll definitely know that, that that's the risk, but not sure why he's saying that. No, it's, it's the one thing the BHA have actually, actually for once, they've actually done right. Obviously the COVID rule of like, oh, no, no, you can't travel for, for no. cheap crap races. No, it's the one thing they've actually said, no, no, we're not, we're not reinstating it. Fantastic BHA because... Because that's exactly what the Irish want. They, they want to come over here and, and plunder our terribly weak uh, 2% trainer, you know, like handicap hurdles in the summer where there's seven runners, one's 
trained by, I'm not going to mention them because they'll be moaning, be like Kublas, be, 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 be writing in, moaning, saying I'm yeah. I'm destroying their business. Shout out to <laughs> Daniel and Claire while we're on. <laughs> yeah. Daniel and Claire, though, they've, I mean, look, I mean, they, look, they've proved they've trained Outgate this season. Outgate's done well for them. Uh, yeah. They've received they've received mega offers from King Kong for Outgate. That's yeah. not to sell though, complete idiots. Because <laughs> I mean, I mean, look at it. Have you seen when it's won? It's had like easy leads at Chester and stuff like that. It's the most yeah. flattered horse in training to be rated that. They think it's even better, you know. No, no, I've said it on the pod. Outgate, no good, Daniel and Claire Cooper. You should have sold to King Kong for yeah. mega bucks. Yeah. Like Take the money, take the money, Claire. Oh, do do a service to your owners and take yeah. the money. <laughs> right, that's just about it, folks. Uh, hope you've enjoyed the show. We are back. Jimmy Lindley. Oh, yes, John, yeah. sorry. Yeah, absolutely. What terrible from me, not mentioning the bastion of the show. Yeah. John, what have you got for me? I've got one from Saturday afternoon, believe it or not. Right. And it is a horse called Uberima Fides. <laughs> what? You it's, picked some real bad names. Who ran in a seven furlong handicap at Gowan Park this afternoon. It was absolutely hilarious, this. It had three runs for Clive Cox prior to transferring to Richard O'Brien in Ireland. It remains owned by Simon Munier, which itself is a fascinating bit of. Hocus pocusery, shall we say? I've got it now. Three thirty Gowran Park. Three thirty Gowran Park. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now we we had the obligatory three spins up with Clive Cox, and he, he's landed the horse with a mark of sixty four. Now we obviously think that we can get a little bit more off because if you watch the three thirty at Gowran Park today, comedy wasn't in it really. There was a little bit of a five-knuckle shuffle when the stalls opened from Nathan Cross. He then sits a detached last until they go into the bend. Those familiar with Gowran Park will know it, it leads into a, about a two-furlong straight and it's quite an angular bend. Mr Cross then proceeded to aim for the stand's rail from the apex of the bend from his position in last, which he didn't improve a great deal up the straight, as you can imagine. Uh, but he did manage to improve it um, four places for the minimal hands flapping and uh, chicken wings. Interesting. This is a hugely interesting ask for me because I don't even know why they've got it, let alone why they've transferred it to Richard O'Brien. Um, this is plottery at its very best, I think. Well, you said that, right? Um, you know, I, I, what I find very interesting is that he's... Is is the money is you know sending more us over to Ireland? I honestly, I honestly think they're searching out the carrots. Um, I, I often say like Nick Bradley Racing does it. He he, he yeah. tends to align himself with carrot trainers, and I'm, Richard John O'Brien obviously is a, is, a, is a carrot trainer in Ireland. So basically, that's what I think they do. I, I think they, I don't know what like I, said, I don't know why they're doing it. It's not like they need the cash, but no. I mean this this is massively strange to me. This because. Yeah, I mean, you, you you wouldn't have said it's got the potential to run to hundred or anything like that, you know. You would say it definitely has the potential to to land a bit of a touch somewhere soon, sometime, somehow. No, keep an eye on the Maneers. There's been a few little like like little gambles like on their on their horses over and on. Not saying they've been successful either, but 
but it's 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 just interesting with the trainers they're employing. You know, you you, you associate the Maneers with with sort of classy horses, national horses, Nicky Henderson, Alan Kate. You know, like some good horses over the years. All of a sudden, branching out to Ireland, it's it's kind of it's kind of interesting, John. It's a really interesting spot because it's interesting that you've spotted a money horse in Ireland that they are branching out. Yeah, so one to watch there, folks, for the Jimmy Lindley. So I'm going to end the show on that. So thank you, John, for that and and for the uh, exclusive on Desert Crown. Thanks to you, Chris. Uh, some great input into the show, and I've really enjoyed it. We're back on Monday for the Goodwood Goalway preview, as I say, with Fry, Franks and um, uh, Richmond. And then, as normal, Friday show, Sunday show next week. So there'll be no, there'll be no daily shows at Goodwood uh, after uh, after shows, because Goodwood's not really a festival, is it, John, with all the maidens? Goodwood would only be a festival if they could it down to two days. And, uh, <laughs> it's like Doncaster. Six races per day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right, that's all from me, John and Chris. I hope you enjoyed it. Bye for now.